Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining me. My name is Tim Wheaton, and welcome to Kick Weekly with Tim Wheaton. We're going to be covering off all the latest news and fights in the world of kickboxing and Muay Thai. We're going to be talking about the fights from last weekend, such as Rise 171, Glory 87. We're also going to be talking about some upcoming fight news and announcements that have happened in the world of kickboxing and Muay Thai. We're going to be talking a little bit about RWS Muay Thai, and of course, upcoming this weekend is the Rise World Series second round of their Grand Prix, and we're going to be breaking it down. Now, the timeline should be right below me there and in the description if you are an audio listener. So let's jump into it, starting with the all-important news from the world of kickboxing. Glory Kickboxing has announced new anti-PED measures. These will be randomly drug-testing athletes in and out of competitions anywhere they are in the world. Already, many athletes have been tested, such as Rico Verhoeven and Cookie Tariq Ozaro are their most tested athletes. Also, Glory Kickboxing world champion Tiffany Van Soost has announced her retirement. After her next match at Glory 88 upcoming this September, she will call it a career. She leaves behind an incredible legacy, being one of the greatest female kickboxers in history. Michael Boapea, fresh off of his victory at Glory 87, will be the next contender for the middleweight crown. He will look to take the kickboxing world title on October the 7th against the reigning champion Donovan Vise. Also featured on October 7th will be a Grand Prix qualifier between Levy Rigters and the Infusion heavyweight world champion Martin Terpstra. Glory 89 will be the organization's debut in the country of Bulgaria. Also on the card is Stoyan Koplovinsky looking to avenge a prior loss against the Romanian fighter Soren Kaliniuk. One Championship has announced that Smila Sundell will look to defend her Muay Thai world title against Alicia Helen Rodriguez, the Muay Thai champion of the Atomweight division. This is going to be booked for one fight night 14th on September 29th. Brazil's Rodriguez is the Atomweight champion and will look to take the strawweight Muay Thai title. She is looking and aiming to become a two-division Muay Thai world champion. Also announced was Jonathan DeBella will look to defend his crown against Mini-T Daniel Williams. These two will battle for the strawweight kickboxing throne at one fight night 14, sorry, one fight night 15. This is booked for October 6th. Mini-T has been keeping busy going up in weight to face all-star fighters like Superlek and Rod Tang. Now he will finally challenge for a title in his actual weight class against Jonathan DeBella. Jonathan DeBella is coming off of his fight of the year performance against the young Zhang Paiman. It was simply an unforgettable fight. Now these two will throw down later this year. That's it for this week's news and fight announcements in the world of kickboxing. Glory 87 was this past weekend, and it was headlined by a lightweight title showdown where Tejani Bezdadi was able to get his fifth lightweight championship wins against the Rise 155-pound world champion Kaito Ono. Kaito Ono came in the match as the smaller man challenging for the Glory title. He would have been able to make history as a multi-organizational champion if he walked away with a win. Instead, what we saw was a bit of a letdown, a little bit of an complete shutout from Tejani Bezdadi. It seemed like Kaito, Kaito Ono came into this fight uh, without much of a game plan, knowing how to close the distance, without knowing how to uh, maybe draw out reactions, because he spent most of the fight just hanging out in the center, getting punched, getting kicked, you know how it goes, not being able to do very much in the fight. It went the full five rounds, Tejani Bezdadi. He had a great performance in this fight, lots of highlights in this one, uh, pretty unforgettable performance. Uh, 
good for him. He's got another major win on his legacy. I think his next defense will probably be the winner uh, at Glory 89 in Bulgaria between Stoyan Koplovinsky and the Romanian fighter that he's looking to get his uh, loss avenged to. Stoyan Kroplevinsky and Tajani Bestati have met before, and it was an extremely close fight, so I imagine Stoyan is looking to uh, avenge that loss as well uh, later this year. But yeah, the lightweight title fight uh, that we saw with Kaito Ono and Tajani Bestati, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, this fight card also had a four-man tournament where the winner will qualify for the big grand prix later this year in glory kickboxing uh in the first fight you had bahram rajab zeda rushing muhammad amin to a tko victory due to two knockdowns in the second round muhammad amin seemed a little bit confused as to what the knockdown rules were but regardless this was pretty much one-way traffic from bahram rajab zeda sorry bahram rajab zeda uh, in this bout. Now, he is growing to be one of my favorite fighters. He has almost all of his victories via knockout. He was coming in on a win streak of knockouts coming into this bout and then earns another knockout win here. He has an aggressive forward style where he is looking to chase guys down. He's willing to take a punch to land a flurry. It's a ton of fun to watch. Bahram is definitely one of the most entertaining fighters in this weight division, and it's not even his natural weight class. He was trying to say, I usually fight at light heavyweight. These guys are kind of big for me, but dude, he made it. He won. Good for him for doing that. And he won via TKO. As soon as the fights are uploaded online, which will be in the next couple of weeks on Glory's YouTube channel, make sure to check it out because these knockouts, these highlights were just tremendous. This guy is awesome to watch. We also had Uku Yuriandal face off against Martin Terpstra in the heavyweight tournament. Martin Terpstra came in as a heavy favorite being like 6'8 or 6'9. He's a multi-time infusion heavyweight world champion on a major win streak. Uh, and I mean, he entered the pocket, he entered range, and Uku Yuriamdal slapped him out of the, like, and just knocked him down. There isn't much to say. He boomed him good, knocked him down, knocked him out, and that was the end of it. Uku Yuriamdal packs a ton of power. He, for a heavyweight, he is he is a stocky guy, so it was the tall man versus the, the shorter man, and Uku Yuriamdal really rose to the occasion and knocked him out there in the first round, just in two minutes and 23 seconds there. And then in the final, you had Uku Yuriandal versus Bahram Rajabzeda, uh, and then the winner was able to go to the big Grand Prix. Um, I think both men entered this fight with injury based on the way that both men fought. Bahram Rajabzeda um, had a more clear injury that we could see in that his foot was cut at some point and was squirting on the mat. And you can see in the fight replay, and you can see on the, uh, uh, on the Glory Twitter, it was literally squirting out of his foot at other people. They had to put a towel over it. So he's entering the fight with quite a severe injury. I think Uku Yuriandal, he didn't seem to be moving very well, especially in some directions. He didn't seem to be moving um, on his feet very well. I think he may have had a leg injury because he didn't seem to know what to do in this bout. I know fighting twice in one night is quite exhausting. Uh, of course, especially at heavyweight, that is an exhausting, tireless thing to do. Um, but yeah, Baharam Rajabzeda was able to rush in, land flurries. Uh, he aimed for the finish. He aimed for the knockout and he controlled this fight. It was, it was a pretty one-sided fight. So Baharam Rajabzeda adds two victories and now he qualifies for the big Grand Prix later this year.
This fight card also had another few highlight bouts, such as Michael Boapea gets a solid victory over Sergey Braun. Michael Boapea has improved so much in the few years that he's been fighting in glory. He's still a young man and developing his skills, and he's developing so quickly. It is so impressive to see he's able to close the distance, land the punches he wants. Uh, he's able to pick his shots. This was a dominant performance from him, and now he qualifies, and he's going to be fighting for the middleweight title later this year, as, as I previously mentioned. Uh, but yeah, Michael Boapea is definitely one of my favorite fighters to watch and it should be yours as well so make sure to check him out follow him on instagram he's a cool guy one of my favorite fighters to watch you also had Mertel gronhart going up against sihad akipa this was a back and forth i think some people were a little bit frustrated with this fight because sihad akipa would do flurries into clinching and he would do clinching defensively but it was a really fun back and forth fight where each man was doing interesting things um and i think sihad akipa was a little bit ahead until you know, these rounds, these are exhausting. Kickboxing rounds are absolutely exhausting. And Mertel Gronhart was able to pull away and get the unanimous decision victory in the end due to some serious power punching. It was a really fun fight to watch. And definitely once it's uploaded, make sure to check it out on Glory's YouTube channel. This is in the competitive welterweight division. Uh, there's lots of other really great fighters in this weight class. So we will have to see what they do with the division. A lot of people were joking that Myrtle Gronhart will just be the contender perpetually against any champion that they have there. Um, I mean, with a win that good, well, he might be in line for the title next. Speaking of being in line for the title next, you also had Jan Kaffa get a unanimous decision win against Mohamed El Hamouti. This was a split decision victory and a really fun fight at the featherweight division. I believe the winner will likely face Petch for the world title, maybe early next year or at the end of this year. Uh, but Jan Kaffa and Mohamed El Hamouti, both men you need to keep an eye on. These It was such an exciting fight, back and forth, a close fight. This is great to see these featherweight guys Get a great fight, get a victory. Uh, but yeah, Yankava, definitely check that fight out as soon as it's uploaded. Last week also saw Rise 171 live from Japan, and it was a really exciting fight. Make sure to check out some of these bouts on Rise's YouTube channel. Once they are uploaded, I probably next week or something like that, the vacant cruiserweight title was awarded to the karate-based striker Kenta Nanbara as he takes out Kuntalao, a boxing gym from Thailand. Uh, so... Kuntalao was a uh, he was a death row inmate who went through rehabilitation in Thailand and it has been able to win his freedom after more than a decade in imprisonment. He is now a heavyweight kickboxer and Muay Thai fighter, and him and Kenta Nanbara went to war in this fight. It was a a heavyweight fight. We'll say it like that. It was a heavyweight fight where uh, Kuntalao was able to get a really big knockdown early in round one, and it looked like it was over. Kentanambara was able to get back to his feet, control the distance a little bit more, back away. And then in the second round, he gets it done. Sorry, I'm pounding my fist here. And then in the second round, he gets it done and he gets a knockout victory in the second round. Oh man, it was such a fun fight to watch. You can catch the highlights um, probably on Twitter, Instagram, or it might just be next to me, but we'll see if this gets copyright striked. This might be right there. The whole fight, everything notable in the fight might be right there next to me. We also had Masahiko Suzuki take out Imad Salhi, who is, uh, sorry, Imad Sahi, who is, uh, was an undefeated fighter and, uh, and Mediterranean champion. Masahiko Suzuki, of course, being one of the most exciting fighters in kickboxing, a very close, exciting first round. And then a, he gets a knockout in the second round. I mean, Masahiko Suzuki is 
like I keep saying, he is must-see TV. You must see this guy fight. It was a ton of fun to see Mazahiko Suzuki fight. Um, and every time out, he's going to be exciting here. Uh, I hope to see him in a little bit more, you know, named fights going forward, as he is a very great fighter. Uh, but yeah, a really great victory that he's able to get here. We also had Minazo Kobayashi, the former Rise World Champion, uh, who's also fought in, you know, all over the uh, tons of fighters from all over the world. Uh, she takes out Melty Kira by way of unanimous decision. Last week I was talking about Melty Kira like that's not, I must be saying this name wrong. It turns out that Melty Kira is a former hostess who was struggling during COVID. So she took up kickboxing to replace her income. No, I learned a lot about hostess culture when I was in Japan and I'm happy to impart that knowledge on you uh, with people that I was speaking with there and I was able to learn quite a bit because it's a really interesting subject. So Maltikira, apparently she was making like something like 10,000 USD per month as a hostess. And then the pandemic hit and she was forced to do something else. And kickboxing was there. She was obsessed with kickboxing because she had no income at this time. Uh, she's also quite an interesting person because she took up kickboxing, um, but also has like, I forget, it was like 10 million yen worth of plastic surgery. You can look this up. I might be wrong about this. Uh, but yeah, she is a, a, a fairly well-known hostess. Uh, who had almost no income. She's also a uh, runs a salon on the side to replace her income. So she's doing hostessing, running a salon, and kickboxing. But let's talk about what host and hostess culture is. Um, in Japan, people were really struggling with meeting other people, dating, um, even making friends. So when we had a like nighttime tour of Shibuya and Shinjuku, they were talking about how rude it would be in Japan that if you are out with your friends, right, and then there's a another group of people over there and you, maybe like you're with your bros and those are some bros. It would be rude to go talk to those bros. You stick with your friends when you go out and same thing with if you're with your bros and there's a group of pretty girls calling you over, it would probably be rude to go and talk to them. So this is just some of the cultural differences where people aren't meeting people in Japan. So this is going to have a point. Give me a second. But as we were walking around in this area, they were pointing out the billboards of these beautiful people being advertised. And I assumed because they were massive billboards that these were pop stars or you know, TV stars or something like this. It turns out these were hosts and hostesses. And these are beautiful people that you can call up in Japan to hang out with. It's not prostitution that you can just hang out with. You will go to dinner with them. You will pay for their dinner. You will buy them gifts and they will give you good conversation. And essentially that's the entire agreement is they tell you how cool and interesting of a person you are, and then you pay the money for this. And it, there's not much deeper going on than that. And these people are famous, and they make very good money. Like I said, Meltikira was making 10000 US per month for doing this. And from what they were telling me in Japan, 10000 US per month is not that much for a hostess, because they make way more money than that on average. And it's both men and women. You can be a host or hostess. Um, and if you're on the upper end, some of these are, people are making half a million a year, getting treated to dinners every night out, going for karaoke, doing fun stuff like that. Uh, so this is the kind of life that Melty Kira was living. Pandemic hit. No one's seeing each other in Japan. She takes up kickboxing. And yeah, it's a really interesting thing. 
Let's talk a little bit about RWS Muay Thai, who we are getting down into the final four tournament. Last week, we saw uh, Petch Tong Chai, sorry, Noonglek was able to get a victory getting into the final, and he will face the other winner from last weekend, who is Kapitan, who definitely everyone knows as a former one champion. Uh, so they will fight later this year in the final for the Super Lightweight Grand Prix. This upcoming weekend on August 26th on RWS Muay Thai, you will see Petch Dam fight Samingdet, as well as Lumnan Moonlek fighting Bua Kiao. Uh, this is going to be the final four in the lightweight Grand Prix. So the winners from October, uh, from the 26th will fight later this year uh, for 3 million bot uh, on RWS Muay Thai. You also have the female bantamweight final four as Sevgi is going to be fighting Nom Prajan and Somar Sase Sami will fight Komen Laipech. I mean, Sevgi is awesome. She is the ice queen from Turkey. She is such a talented fighter. Make sure to check her out because, I mean, we're getting to the final four. Sevgi probably is the most talented of the final four. Um, and then uh, the winners of those two, again, will fight later this year. As I've talked about how to watch RWS Muay Thai, if you don't have DAZN, you can get DAZN anywhere in the world and watch it. Uh, if you're in Thailand, you can watch it on YouTube. However, that is only for live. For uh, If you aren't able to watch it live, you can watch it on RWS's Muay uh, RWS Muay Thai's YouTube directly after the fight within the hour of the broadcast happening. You can get all their fights on YouTube, so make sure to check that out. Upcoming this weekend on August 26th will be the Rise World Series second round of their tournament. Uh, upcoming this weekend, it will uh, be the semifinals, the final four of the 54 kilogram Grand Prix that they have going on. Uh, and they are great fights, so make sure to check these out. Kazuki Osaki will face Toki Tomuru in a rematch. Osaki is a top pound for pound striker and holds the Rise Super Flightweight and Iska Worlds titles. Toki Tomuru is a former two division champion in Rise. One one of those titles was taken by Kazuki Osaki when they fought in 2020. So Toki Tomorrow will enter this fight looking to avenge his loss and go to the next round of this tournament. The tournament won't be finished this weekend, it will be later this year. Uh, both of these fighters are coming off knockouts in their most recent matches. On the other side of the brackets, we'll see two Muay Thai veterans. Kumandoi Peyindi Academy will face Shiro. Kumandoi is a former WBC and Raja Manern world champion while Shiro is a former Rangsit Stadium Muay Thai champion and currently holds some titles in Rise Kickboxing, so it is expecting to be quite an exciting showdown. But headlining the cards is one of the biggest stars in Japanese kickboxing today. He keeps making headlines with his press conferences, with his walkouts, everything about the guy just says superstar. So they're having an open-fingered kickboxing match between Hiroto Yamaguchi and Yaman. And the superstar in the making that I'm talking about is Yaman. Uh, they only reserve the uh, open-fingered matchups for bangers, for entertaining fighters, and Yaman is definitely one of those ones. So tune in for that one because it's going to be a ton of fun. There are also other great matchups on the card as well uh, that I didn't mention or break down at all, uh, such as like uh, Chan Hyung Lee, who's a former champion in Rise, an extremely entertaining fighter born of Korea. He's going to be fighting Hideki. So this has been Kick Weekly with Tim Wheaton, where we break down all the news, fights, and announcements going on in the world of kickboxing and Muay Thai. If you have any comments or suggestions, please let me know down below. Uh, folks, thank you so much for all your time, and we'll talk soon.